Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you guys once again for joining the Nine Innings Podcast hosted by yours truly, Kevin Thompson, founder and CEO of Nine Innings Capital Group. Thank you guys for joining us. As I always say, subscribe to the channel. As I always say, go and get my book, MLB to CFP, live on Apple and Amazon. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at 9iCapitalGroup. I'm sorry, info at 9iCapitalGroup.com. Send us your questions or you can go to the website at www.9iCapitalGroup.com. Schedule an appointment. As you know, we're here to do what? Educate, empower, and engage. And today we're here about empowerment. We have Devon Drew of DFD Partners. Let's get it. We have Devon Drew. DFD Partners, Devon, thank you for giving us some time today on this podcast, my friend. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning to you. Hey, well, so first and foremost, I see you're in the New York City metropolitan area. So I'm going to ask you this question. Are you a Yankees fan or are you a Mets fan? Man, I'm a born and raised Yankees fan. Quite frankly, don't know who the Mets are. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lo and behold, not sure if you know this about me, but I used to play for the New York Yankees back in 06 and 07 uh, when I was in the major leagues. Uh, so I had about a year or two with the New York Yankees there. When I went, then I got sent over to Oakland, finished up, finished my season out there. And then the following year was picked up by Pittsburgh and then tore a tendon to my wrist and the West is history. But ultimately, yeah, man, um, Yankees fan through and through. I, I, you and I get along very well during this podcast today. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your business, DFD Partners. I know uh, it's, it's been around for a little bit over a year now. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so founded the company in, in 2021. Um, founder, CEO, CIO, it is a startup, right? So I'm everything, COO, right? CFO, you know, I wear many hats, man. DFD stands for Diligence Fund Distributors. And, you know, essentially, you know, I've been working in asset management distribution for 16 years, working with, you know, the asset managers to try to, you know, really distribute their solutions into the financial advisor community, right? Mm -hmm. So after 16 years, you see a lot of trends, you see a lot of way business is being done. Um, and then you also see that is a very antiquated business, right? So after, you know, after 16 years, you know, it was like, you know what, like, if we were able to, you know, adopt some like, you know, some really cutting edge data trends and being able to leverage machine learning and, and some some principles of AI, we might just be able to help uh, the non-Vanguards, the non-Black Rocks, the non-JP Morgans, the non-American you know, funds scale at mass. Yeah. Right. So, and, and that was the that was the genesis of starting DFD Partners, where we're able to leverage data and technology to match asset managers that have that product fit mm -hmm. to the advisor community that has that product need. And okay. if you look at, you know, you know, you started your own business, you're in your own RIA. One thing I'm sure you notice is that the face background and profile of wealth is changing rapidly. 100%. Right. So to be able to acquire that new client, if you're a financial advisor, no longer are you going to be able to say, hey, here's this, you know, here's this CIO model, right? Here's this model portfolio, you know, pay me this, you know, pay me this percent in a quarter and be, a quarter and be happy with it. Mm -hmm. Now the advisors are challenged by finding investment solutions that 
somewhat mirror the you know the cultural beliefs and and who your prospects and clients are and if you don't have those type of solutions quite frankly you know in the next 10 years you might find yourself on the outside looking in yeah so you made some great points there and that brings me to the to the question of esg right you talk about esg you talk about a holistic planning in regards to i've had clients in the past that said you know what i want something that has no uh, fossil fuels in it. I want something that mirrors my belief system. You're absolutely right. Clients are actually wanting that. My main concern with the ESG thing is that, and I know we're not talking about ESG. I'm kind of getting off topic here, but I don't know what actually makes up an ESG portfolio in regards to, oh, is it 85% this? Does do the management does the management team have to have this type of diversity? Like it's so convoluted in that world. I mean, it's just that's where it gets confusing on, well, my portfolio is ESG, but ultimately I have this much of, of so-and-so fossil fuel company and it, and I can get those returns from that company. Yeah. I mean, if I'm honest, one thing that we try to do with ESG, not to say that that's the end all be all, um, we think direct indexing is actually, I mean, it's a reason why it's growing at 12 and a half X year over year, right? So yeah. direct indexing over ESG. But if you look at ESG, one thing that we think that the industry, I mean, you got to adopt it first, but it should be they should be siloed out, right? Yeah. Environmental should be siloed out. Social aspects should be should be siloed out. The governance should be siloed out. The problem with you know people adopting it is like never should all those three being being included in one type of you know one type of thematic portfolio. Yeah, right. I think that's where that's where you know it takes a lot of education. But at this point, you you know like if, if Morningstar has nine style boxes, right? We got to start. You know, we got to start putting ESG in its own, you know, in, in its own different categories, depending on the environmental, social or the governance. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I just I just know it's very convoluted. But I saw one thing on your profile that I want to give you uh, big props for the SEMA. It's not easy, man. That's not an easy exam. Uh, it's it, I know it's like a CFA light do a degree. But at the end of the day, whoo, that boy, that, that that's a hard hitter right there, man. So congratulations on that. I knew I was in for a uh, world of hurt when, so, you know, we did the, I did the course at Wharton. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at the first question and you're 30 minutes in, you're still in the first question. You're like, you know what, this is going to be for a long day. Let me refill the water bottle. Let me roll up the sleeves. It's winter, but I'm hot. Oh my God. <laughs> so, but no, it was a, uh, it was a, it was a great experience. Yeah. I was, uh, I was in a CFA program uh, previously and I just, Honestly, just the, the amount of effort, energy, and time that it was going to take for me to attain all three of those levels, uh, I had to kind of back out and go. Now, the, I'm not saying the CFP was easier. Not, I mean, well, I will say that the CFP is a little bit less challenging than the CFA. Let's just call it what it is. But at the end of the day, yeah, man, I had to take the CFP, knock that out first. And maybe I'll go back to the CFA eventually. But yeah, the SEMA, man, uh, I have a couple of friends that have it. And they're like, yeah, man, I had to go into a dark room or dark place for a couple of couple of a couple like six months, get this thing study and and move remove my way remove myself out of society for a while. So man, congratulations. Yeah, there's a little bit of science behind the SEMA too. So if you look at, for instance, like when when like firms like UBS are recruiting, mm -hmm. you know, they do some data science and, and advisors that have a SEMA SEMA have a higher propensity to be, you know, um million dollar producers actually. Yeah. So it's like there's a science behind SEMA and the correlation 
of production, which I ne- I never knew before. I found that out, out recently. So it's a good little factoid. Yeah. Yeah. So you're on the 980s podcast hosted by Kevin Thompson of 99 Capital. Uh, we have Devon Drew here. Thank you for joining us today. Talk to me a little bit about, so you said DFD partners, you, you guys are changing the game. You mentioned AI, right? We all big, we're all big fans of chat GPT. We all know that chat GPT is out there and what can it, what, what is it going to do to the advisor community? What is it going to do to all these industries that are like, for example, Fiverr.com? Like what, like, what do you think the, the uh, integration to AI of AI coming into this industry, how do you think it's going to impact? I know it's kind of off topic, but how do you think it's going to impact the overall community and whether it be the advisors, whether it be uh, Fiverr.com, things like that? Well, that answers twofold. First, there's a there's a segment of the advisor community that it won't impact at all because they're reluctant to change. Yeah. Right. And you know, when there's new ideas that come, they're the last to adopt it because quite frankly, ten point two trillion dollars of advisor AUM is retiring in the next 10 years. Yeah. So there's a big subset, a large subset of the advisor community that AI will have no effect on, mm-hmm. you know, but thinking about it from a broad spectrum and how we're utilizing it at DFD partners, right? You're going to be able to go into our, our web-based application um, right now. You can type it in, but in real time, this is what our patent covers. You're going to be able to say, you know, Hey, I'm looking for, you know, an African-American advisor that's been in the business for 15 to 40 years. That's in Los Angeles that has a um, area of expertise in estate planning and investments that is a man that is a baby boomer, um, you know, that went to, you know, that, that went to certain colleges and went to certain accreditations in real time. Really? It's going to be able to spit back to you advisors that fit that criteria. Wow. And it's going to be able to compare that weighted average between your, you know, what you're doing in your, in your profile and theirs and be able to create that affinity score, which will, which will pretty much allow you to, you know, be in that double-sided marketplace to get to get searched out, right? So think about like how AI can revolutionize from a business development standpoint, I think is going to be one of the, you know, under talked about elements of AI and financial services, right? Because over 90% of advisors don't know where their next dollar is coming from, mm-hmm. right? Which is, you know, which is a little alarming. Yeah. But thinking about AI being able to bridge that gap and say, hey, here's your core competencies, here's your strengths, and here's X amount of prospective clients that actually you could benefit from reaching out to, right? And we're doing that, something similar on the on the investment management side with DFD, right? Matching, you know, matching advisors that, you know, let's say their, their demographic of the book is X, right? We're going to be able to match that demographic advisors with with the differentiated investment solution right so you know we're tackling it from, from you know from from that way but the use cases are are tremendous we're seeing a lot of different you know ai based platforms come to market quite frankly in 2021 when i was you know when i was telling people about my vision mm-hmm. they're like you're crazy what are you even talking about you know when i bought up when i when i bought up when i bought the ai domains in my email addresses.ai my site was .ai and everything's .ai feel like what are you like what are you doing ahead here? of the curve oh, my friend ahead of the curve like, oh my god chat like oh how did you like what you know so you know it now it's an easier conversation to have with folks yeah but trust me in 2021 it was it was not and people thought i was out of my mind right for spending money on a patent and 
discovering the use cases that not that that not for that weren't for 2021 that were meant for 2025 <laughs> and 2030. People thought I, were, I, I was out of my mind. <laughs> You were the crazy one, and now you are the <laughs> smartest guy in the room. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it normally works, my friend. You you say, man, I'm going to do this, whether, whether it be the dot-com era, and everybody's like, why are you doing that? Oh, whatever. Next thing you know, oh, Internet, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, uh, thank you for this time. Like I always said, so, so let's talk a little bit of markets right now. We know markets have been a little bit volatile. Uh, we saw, we've seen inflation. In our faces, the Fed has gone from zero to almost five in a matter of 13 to 15 months in regards to the Fed funds. <clears throat> One thing that people don't understand is how all that works, the detriment to the banks, right? The banks have been hit so hard with those rising rates. So talk to me a little bit about, I know you were on Cheddar recently, and that was a great, a great segment on Cheddar, by the way. But what are your thoughts on the the rapidity, the, 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 the I guess the 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 I guess the velocity of the inflation increase, uh, the, the rate increase and how it's been impacting your overall economy. I mean, just kind of a broad, in a broad sense. Yeah, you know, I think the Fed is in a position where they're steadfast and they have a number in mind, right? They want to get, you know, they want to get long-term inflation down to 2%, right? So in order to do that, you know, we're going to have to continue to hike rates, right? So it's kind of like the market feels like it's getting ahead of itself. Like, you know, yeah, this has been a, you know, this has been, down week, but the market was, you know, the market was in a little bit of a rally prior to this, yeah. you know, going into, you know, going into this week. So it kind of feels like the market is price was pricing in a more dovish Fed, yeah. right? Which, you know, which was a little interesting. I, I personally think that we'll hike one more time, yeah. um, which will put us in a little bit of a an, an interesting interesting space, right? Because I feel like, you know, at that point, the financial markets, you know, were kind of pricing in a recession, a mild one that you know allows for rates to be a little cooler, inflation to dramatically cool off, but not really negatively impacting corporate earnings, right? And that's kind of like, that would be like the ideal situation. Um, but to your point, you know, with rates, you know, there was one point where it was looking like rates were gonna go up to six and a quarter, right? Which yeah. would put a tremendous amount of pressure on banks, mm -hmm. right? But now we're in a position where it's like, okay, we hike, you know, we hike one more time, um, let's say in May, set this up for, let's say a Q1 rate cut, Right. And then if, you know, then if that happens, that would be a, a, a bullish indicator for more risk on stocks. Yeah. Um, but as for now, we think that the volatility is going to continue to persist. Um, I'm not as I'm not as bullish as, you know, some people seem to be. It's a, it's amazing how after a pretty severe banking, short term banking crisis, how people kind of shrug that off within within weeks and started to pour into risk on stocks and evidence of that, as you saw the NASDAQ, you know, started to rip and run over the, over the past few, not this week, but over the, over the past few weeks. So yeah, um, yeah not, not as optimistic as, as the market, um, but, you know, but I, I think we will see one more rate hike. Um, I don't think you, I don't think the jobs numbers um, have, have cooled off to the point where you could be, feel confident with saying, you know what, we're, you know, we're at where we need to be. Uh, my, my main concern is like, as I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago, I said, we're seeing all this stress in the banking sector. But what about the insurers? Granted, they're not banks and they have different balance sheets, but they still operate in the, in the, in the long-term, uh, the long-term bond segment when they want to, you know, uh, invest. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what insurance and in, insurers balance sheets look like and how, 
those unrealized unrealized losses are basically piling up on their sheets. So I, I was bringing that up to a friend of mine, and that's an off-topic conversation, I know, but I it's just not talked about enough, in my opinion. I mean, it could be a it, it could be something bigger. Yeah, one thing about the banks is you know they're known. I mean, one thing about the insurers is that they're known for having pristine balance sheet. But if you notice one thing about banks, mm-hmm. banks normally have an investment management arm tied to them. A quick example to this is let's say New York Life, right? Yeah. Like New York Life, everyone knows New York Life, great reputation, but who do they have attached to them? They have mainstay investments, right? And they have exactly. entire asset management arm that, you know, that is, and they're always known for being good fixed income traders, right? So yeah. they always, you know, they're, they're, they're always, um, you know, they're always going to have a strong fixed income background, Right. So, you know, you start, you know, so they could actually on the one hand is like, yeah, it could put them in, it could be putting them in uh, some stress, but also think about it to where their money market portfolios are probably booming right now. Yeah. Right. So it's so it's like, yeah, I, I could I could see that I could see it on both sides. And they're in one thing they're going to be good as hedging risk. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not as I'm not as worried about the insurers. Actually, I'm actually bullish on, you know, on, on the insurers at you know, at, at this uh, at this stage. Uh, well, you're more bullish than I am because I'm, I'm a firm believer. Sure, is because I, I just know, yeah, I, I just know that they got this big asset management behemoth arm in yeah. the, behind them. They also invest a lot in 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 the private markets. Yeah, right. So they so like they're so I have a you know I have a client where an insurance company wrote him a check recently for seven hundred fifty million dollars, and if you look at where that where that money goes to, those are you know that is a bet for not this year but seven years from now, right? Because yeah. Because the because the assets have to meet the liability, so you can't have everything in in short in short duration securities, yeah. right? So one thing one way that the that insurers hedge out a lot of that a lot of that risk is going longer duration with private equity products. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, my friend. And and I was just bringing up a point, like because I I was telling my guy, I said I said you don't think layman, you don't think long term capital manager, you don't think these guys were the smartest guys in the room at that right, time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, now you have a guy on stage telling you something. I said, these guys were just as smart or smarter than these individuals. And next thing you know, they get caught up in this wave of 500 bips on interest rate increases. So it's just, yeah. you know, that they didn't factor that level of velocity in. But you're absolutely right, man. You, Who knows? All we know is when when uh, the shoe drops, you've got to be there to catch it, right? Yeah, a lot of folks got caught swimming with no, with no, with no suit, bathing suit on, so... <laughs> Um, Devon Drew, my friend, tell me a little bit. Last question. Last question. Um, we talked markets. So tell me like, like, so what's your vision for DFD partners moving forward? Like your, your one year, three year, five year, like, like what's your plan in regards to, to taking this to the next level? Right. So right now we have about 33 clients that represent about $820 billion in, in, in AUM. Awesome. Um, so that's, you know, so short term, of course, we want to get that to 50, we want to get to 100. But we're also in probably the seventh innings on our AI based platform, mm-hmm. right? which I truly believe will be the most innovative, um, most tech enabled distribution platform that the industry has seen. Mm-hmm. Right. So think about that ecosystem being not only asset managers, not only financial advisors, but accredited investors as well. And think about what I mentioned to you earlier, where you're going to be able to have a double-sided marketplace, right? So credit investors will be able to search out advisors, 
asset manager will be able to search out, uh, search out advisors and the entire ecosystem continues to grow. So long-term looking at three and five years is getting that platform into the hands of, you know, every, you know, every financial professional that is looking for cost-effective tech-enabled scale. Man, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to be a part of this revolution with you, man. And I'm also looking forward to, to continuing the continual uplift of our own community, because this right here, like I said before, I was talking to, to Ty Ross a couple of days ago. I said, this, this is powerful to have these conversations. We're not only just, I'm not hitting the baseball, we're not ba bouncing basketballs. We're really doing true uh, uh, economies of scale in regards to the financial industry. So man, thank you for joining us today, my friend. And thank you for being a, a, a just, for being who you are, man, for, for taking a chance and creating business. Thank you. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for having me on. You just have listened to a, another individual, Devon Drew, SEMA, CRPC, CEO, CIO, CCO, a bunch of different acronyms, right? But this guy is powerful in this industry right now. He's doing some really big things. Devon Drew, Chief of F Chief Executive Officer of DFD Partners. He was here on our podcast today talking markets, talking AI, talking ESG. We, we're breaking it all down for you guys today. Thank you guys for joining us. As I always say, subscribe to this channel. As I always say, go and get my book, MLB to CFP Live on Apple and Amazon. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can go to the you can send us an email at info at 9icapitalgroup.com or go to the website, www.9icapitalgroup.com. As you know, we're here to do what? Educate, empower, and engage. And today we were fixed and focused on empowerment in our community. Great to see it. Stay humble, stay safe, and we'll see you again next week.